What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Picks and Picks, the soccer betting podcast. We are here continuing our previews of the Champions League quarterfinals. Great episode for you. The game that we are most excited to watch, Real Madrid against Chelsea. Got Nick and Scotty here. Scott, man, where do we start? I mean, this is the big one. I mean, this is the one that I think everyone's going to be, you know, if they can only watch one match this week, I think this is going to be the one to watch. I mean, we're talking about two clubs that have combined for six of the last 10 Champions League titles. Uh, both both teams always just perform better in Europe, even if they're having a bit of a down year. We've seen you know Real Madrid come through in, in seasons where they've been fighting for fourth place and, and managed to win it. We've seen... Chelsea sometimes just come out of nowhere and, and, and win the Champions League. So you can't count out either team, depending, even considering what their, their domestic form looks like. So I think it's going to be a, definitely a big one. Um, you know, we do have one team that's doing a little bit better than the other in current form. But uh, why don't you take us through how they got here? Yeah, Real Madrid. Um, I, I think we could do a whole episode on their last on their yeah. last tie, but we, yeah. we won't. Uh, but they they've been kind of doing what Real does, right? They finished first in Group D. Um, they had a 3-2 aggregate win over PSG. And how they did that? Well, they were down one nothing after the first leg, I think a very late goal, right? 90-something yep. minute goal. Yep. Mbappe. Um, Mbappe, right? They were down one nothing in the second leg at, at halftime. So you're talking about you're down 2-0 on aggregate. Everybody's giving PSG all the credit in the world, right? This is, this is it. They're going to get over the hump. And Kareem Benzema just takes over. He scores a 17-minute second-half hat trick, one of the most improbable comebacks I think we've seen. I mean, they, they, they killed PSG. I mean, that, the, the, the dramatics that happened after the match between uh, you know, having their, their uh, sporting director come down and, and yelling at officials, we had you know, rumored... Uh, fights in the locker room afterwards. I mean, it's, it was just a, a complete disaster. We already know that um, um, uh, Poch is going to be moving on at the end of the season. So yep. uh, I think there's a lot of turmoil now in PSG, especially with the fact that they're losing their guy in Mbappe to Madrid at the end of the season for free, really just an absolute disaster. I, I don't think you can understate how bad of a game this ended up being for PSG you know, obviously they have unlimited funds, so they'll probably be making some moves in the summer. But uh, really, it's, it's tough to see what their European competitiveness will look like, because obviously they're going to be probably League One winners again next season, regardless of what happens. But yep. um, I think this the impact of this Benzema second half hat trick will be potentially felt for them through the next you know couple of seasons as they try to rebuild the squad, because what they have now just isn't it. No, no doubt about SGA it. Episode. This is the Madrid episode. So, I mean, yeah, no, get... just, just one thing I want to say before we leave PSG behind. Um, if you guys follow the show or if you don't, we do a segment called Studs and Duds uh, every week, right? Who's performed, who hasn't. Uh, since early on, we have dubbed Messi our dud of the season. And this was just another one of those examples, right? A team he's familiar with. Um, and he certainly performed against over the years, over his career, and just another dud set of performances from Messi yeah, when they had, you know, everything to, to gain here. Yeah, Messi, Messi, I was saying he's on vacation, but maybe this is just an, an early retirement for him because um, he has not been 
in it to win it for, for PSG all season. Definitely not. And then you look at Chelsea, um, you know, kind of skating by almost uh, at this point in the competition, right? So they finished second in Group H behind Juventus. Um, you know, Juve certainly hasn't been very good and they're knocked out of the competition. So, um, you know, did just enough to get by. And I think they did that same thing against Lille in the, the knockout stages, right? A 4-1 aggregate win. Um, yep. A lot closer than everybody expected. I think three goals in that last tie to yep. kind of push them over the hump. Yeah, I think Chelsea have largely underperformed expectations this season. Um, you know, coming into it, obviously being European champions, you know, going in and buying Lukaku for 100 million pounds. There was, you know, potential title chase discussions around Chelsea for the Premier League haven't really touched that. You know, I think they had a good start to the season for the first six, eight weeks, but really fell off quickly. It's become, you know, a two horse race between Liverpool and, and City. Um, so this is an opportunity for Chelsea to kind of maybe say that, hey, we, we didn't really underperform our expectations. We've underperformed expectations in the domestic, but we're going to achieve what we set out to do in the, the European tie. This is probably their one chance, obviously losing in the, the cup final to, to Liverpool um, to get a trophy uh, this season. And they're going to throw everything they have at this. You know, they have nothing else to, to really gain. They're not really in jeopardy of losing their Champions League yeah, spot no, in they're, England. They're, they're solidified basically in third place, right? They're not going to yeah. catch... Liverpool or City, but they're not in real danger of, of losing third or fourth place, yeah. really. So everything's going to be thrown at this tie. Um, they're going to need everything in this tie to, to get past Madrid, but yep. uh, it'll be an interesting one for sure. And we'll get into it. We, you know, Real's kind of, um, I, I personally think they're having a little bit of a down year, but even in their down year, here they are in the quarterfinals of the Champions League. They're first in La Liga. They're nine points above second place. Sevilla that's after 29 rounds um it's it's kind of business as usual you know regardless of, of form yeah yeah I mean I think the good news for Chelsea though is you know a lot of their you know struggles in the middle part of the season uh, has been with their inability to kind of replace these attacking fullbacks that they've had uh that really generate a lot of their offense for them you know we talked about Lukaku being a huge disappointment they now have found their number nine in Kai Havertz, who's been, you know, lighting up the score sheet in the last six or seven weeks. Um, so at least from that angle, they have their, their bases covered. Um, the question is, you know, they've been playing this three, five, two that Tuchel loves to set up in They're three at the back have been pretty strong throughout the season, pretty consistent. Um, the wing backs that I mentioned have been hurt. So we'll, we'll see who they can, you know, scrounge together there, but they know Havertz is going to be filling one of those spots. That means they just have one other spot to fill from a, a mix of Mount or Pulisic, yep. maybe Lukaku. I don't know if it was going to be Lukaku, <laughs> Werner, or, or even Zayac, who plays better out in the wing, but I think he's been one of their better attacking Scoring players all goal. season. Yep. So it's hard for me to consider leaving him off the starting 11 here, but in a 3-5-2, he's not going to be playing as a wing back. He's not playing as a midfielder. So you'd have to kind of shoehorn him into one of those out-and-out forward positions. Yeah. And the other thing I'll say, Pulisic has been good when he's been given the opportunity. Yep. Um, you know, he's not scoring every game, but he's generating chances. No yep. doubt about it. Yeah. I think he's got a little bit to do improving in terms of being his, you know, a clinical finisher and, and yep. finishing off those chances. We saw what happened in, in the, the, the Carabobo cup final yep. uh, against Liverpool. He had a couple good opportunities. He just, you know, either hit the post or put him right at the keeper. So he's got to do a little bit better job of finishing, but uh, definitely can partner well with, with Havertz, you know, in that three, five, two formation. So I'd expect to see it either him or potentially Mason Mount, who uh, they yeah. really are, are high on and getting into this lineup. 
And I think that's the way you, you have to attack Real from the outset, right, to have a chance. Um, Lukaku coming off the bench kind of makes sense to me. I know it's, it's insane to say, right, a guy that's worth 100 million pounds or whatever the hell they paid for him. But, um, he, he, he The way he plays kind of is the way you can hurt Real, if that makes sense, right? That big striker who takes up two defenders um, and as a late-game weapon, I kind of almost see it working. Yeah, I mean, he could probably do a. He matches up well, I think, against the Militao or Alaba kind of uh, center back, right? He's going to be a guy that's bigger. He's going to be able to impose and be more physical. He's got a little bit of pace to him. I think his pace has dropped off a tiny bit. Maybe that's Definitely. just the EPL to to Lali or to excuse me to Syria uh, comparison. But yeah, man, he's, like he's not young anymore, right? Yeah, he's been around. He's definitely dropped off in that area. But you know, if we talk about set pieces, about you know having danger off of corners or, or, or free kicks, you know, Lukaku is the guy on this team that, that creates those opportunities. It's usually him or Rudiger that, that can kind of win, uh, win headers, win aerial duels to, to get the, the ball into the back of the net. Um, I think for me, you know, when we're talking about how, uh, how these teams are going to set up, one of the keys uh, to this match is going to be the midfield. Um, I think both midfields are, extremely strong, uh, probably yeah. two of the strongest midfields in all of Europe, you know, with, with Real Madrid, you're going to have the, the veteran experience of, of um, Luka Modric. You're going to have uh, Tony Cruz, who is played in every level of club and, you know, international competition and had success there. Uh, and then you also have a little bit of youth uh, coming in with Casemiro or potentially uh, uh, Valverde. Yeah. So you'll have a really strong midfield three to kind of control the tempo, really build up, uh, not let Chelsea get into this attacking style of play that they like to do with that three, five, two, right? Like they'll sit back a little bit. And then once they have possession, you know, get forward quickly with those wing backs pushing up um, on the other side, you know, not to be discounted. You have Conte, who I think has been probably the most undervalued midfielder in all of Europe. I mean, it's, it's hard to say that with all that he's done, but you know, I think he's a top five midfielder in all of Europe over the past five or six years. Yep. Uh, Jorginho, who is a little bit down this year compared to what he's done in the previous years, but still has yeah, it's going to be tough to keep that up, right? Right. He had a season for the ages last year. Right. And he's still going to be able to guy that's going to control the, you know, the the distribution in the midfield. He's going to help link up play when the, the attacking fullbacks are getting forward. Um, and then ultimately you have the former Real Madrid man in, in Kovacic coming in. Uh, he's been up and down. So he's been inconsistent, but his high games, his great games have been really good. He's had a, a really good game against uh, Liverpool in the league. I think he had a, a worldly of a goal from the outside of the box in the top corner. Um, but he's also had some down games where he hasn't played up to, to his expectation. So I and think... I, sorry to cut you off. I think one thing that's really going to get him up, I mean, not that you need a little extra motivation quarterfinals of the champions league, but playing against his buddy Modric, yeah. I think that's, you know, he's going to give every Croatian connection of energy he has. Yeah. So I, I think that's going to be the battle that really determines uh, who comes out on top, uh, especially when you're looking at a, a two leg tie, it's, it's not going to be, you know, the attacker that has a really good game that can really just win it, you know, when you, uh, uh, you know, get you to the next round, but right. being able to consistently control the midfield and, and, ultimately executing the game plan is going to come down to uh, veteran experience, right. Yeah. Which you have in, in Real Madrid, but also the, the, the legs and the tenacity and the ability to kind of continuously play through all 90 minutes for both matches. And that's where yep. like a Conte comes into play here. Cause he is tireless. He just runs yep. 
and, and he wins, he wins possession back. He gets the ball up to his, his attacking players. Um, so it, it, it'll be interesting to see that play out over the yeah. course of these two games. And we saw that with Modric, the last, the last um, series, right. Against PSG. I mean, I don't think he gets enough credit for a lot of the work that he does, right. You you remember some of the amazing goals he scores, some of the distribution that he's responsible for, but he was all over the pitch against PSG. Yeah. I think on the plus side for Chelsea, you know, we were talking about these attacking fullbacks, obviously in the early part of the season where they're getting a lot of success was with Ben Chilwell and Reese James pushing forward, creating chances for these forwards, creating opportunities, even off of set pieces uh, for, for their back line. Um, but obviously Chilwell with the ACL injury in December, uh, not going to be available. Reese James has been out in and out of the lineup for the last two months with different muscle injuries, but in a, a positive uh, development, it seems like he's going to be healthy following his international break. So pending any you know re, re-injuries of that hamstring that he's been struggling with, he should be available for this tie. I think that's a huge boost for Chelsea because you know it, it's hard enough to replace one of those attacking fullbacks because those aren't guys that you can just find anywhere in Europe. Right. Um, trying to replace two is near impossible. So I, I'm going to guess you'll see probably as Poliqueta or uh, Alonzo on one end, and then you'll see Reese James on the other side in that right wing back position, uh, pushing the ball forward and, and hopefully helping them, you know, with those counterattacks that they're really going to need to have in order to, to beat Real Madrid, because it's not going to be a, a sustained buildup that's going to, you know, generate goals and opportunities for Chelsea. It's going to be catching Real Madrid in a little bit of a forward position, winning possession, and just pushing forward quickly and, and hopefully getting one or two guys free on net. Absolutely right. And if you look at Madrid, you know, they they have a lot of young attacking talent, right? Vinicius, who's had a phenomenal Huge. transformation, right? Huge. I mean, there was times where, you know, he started young too, right? You had to give the kid time to grow, but he's really grown into his own, I think, this year. Asensio, Rodrigo, but what's interesting, what's funny is they're still relying on Benzema, right? 34 years old. He's still the guy doing the damage. 32 goals, 12 assists across all competitions this year. That includes eight goals and one assist in the Champions League. Of course, three of them were last game, but he's still there to be relied on, uh, relied upon. And he's doing what Chelsea probably thought Lukaku would be doing for them. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we like to make fun of Benzema, and you know, there's a lot of comments about him looking a little bit out of shape in his, his recent years, but he still gets it done. I mean, he gets yep. into the box. He has this unbelievable ability to find the inside of the post. I think he hit his second goal in that PSG tie was yep. just this weird little flick on that just happened to find the inside of the post. So he, he has that knack to just get the ball into the back of the net, which is what you really need from your striker. And we're talking about a true nine. That's the, 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 the ability that you really need from your true nine uh, when you're putting him into that starting 11. It does help that he's surrounded by this young attacking talent, right? Like Rodrigo mm-hmm. and, and Vincius Jr. are going to be the guys doing a lot of the running. They're going to be the guys stretching that back line and creating the space for Benzema to get into. And then if that ball is cut back to, to Modric or, or Cruz, then it's really easy for those guys to pick a quality pass and, and find Benzema in the box. And once you get the ball into Benzema in the box, he's got he, he's going to get automatic. Yeah, it's, he's automatic is a great way to put it. He, he gets that ball and he knows what, exactly what to do with it. There's no second guessing. There's no extra yep. movements. It's just very efficient, puts the ball right where it needs to be. And, and we talked across all of the other matchups, right? The key, especially to, for a lot of these underdogs is you have to capitalize on your chances. 
that's that's what Real has in spades here. You know, you, we saw it against PSG. Um, you know, they're just going to – Benzema's going to find the ball in the box at some point. It, it's just a matter of what Chelsea does on D or, you know, how much Benzema is able to convert. And I worry about it an awful lot less for him than I do for some of these other teams that are going to live and die by one or two chances a game. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting, too, when we start looking at odds, you know, when Benzema comes out, what's his going to be his, his odds for any time goal score? You know, is he going to be the, the guy with the shortest odds? Definitely. I, I think you would have to assume so, but you know, you do have all these other attacking players on Real Madrid that can convert. So it's, it's tough to expect to see four or five guys that are all, you know, plus 100 or plus 100, right. plus 200 on this list. But, you know, any one of those guys, you know, Vincius, uh, Rodrigo, Benzema, even like a Tony Cruz, you know, could, could get on the score sheet. So Lots of attacking players here that will create, you know, opportunities for Madrid. It's going to be guys that are going to concern that back three, back five, and in many cases for Chelsea, um, it, it's kind of a pick your poison, right? We're talking about, you know, in the last episode of Villarreal, there's not one guy that you can really hone in on and try to shut down. It's kind of the same here for, for Real Madrid. You can't just say like, all right, we're going to take Benzema out of the game and let Rodrigo and Vincius Jr. beat us because that's probably what will happen if you do that. So right. it's going to be a full team effort in that back line. They're going to have to remain organized uh, and then, yeah, take their opportunities because as those guys get forward, uh, maybe they don't have the legs to track back, right? So that's the opportunity for Reese James or, you know, Marcus Alonso on the other side to, to get forward and, and create the numbers on the attacking uh, end for Chelsea. And one, one guy I definitely want to talk about here is the manager, right? Carlo Ancelotti. Your boy. Um, yeah, is my boy. Loved him forever and ever. He set a lot of the standards for Italian managers abroad, um, you know, in the 90s and 2000s. Uh, I think it's been a mixed bag with his last few jobs. But, you know, we, we've spoken at length in the other previews about how Pep and Simeone have worked wonders. I think Carlo deserves a little bit of that luck, right? Considering that comeback last leg against PSG and yeah. they're, they're first in the league, right? And this is Maybe one of their, uh, I'm going to use quotes, their weakest rosters over the past 10 years, right? I think that's fair to say. It's not a Galacticos for sure. It's, it's not the, you know, the rush that's full of Neymars or, or big name players um, like they've had in the past. You know, Benzema is kind of like the mainstay, but uh, they do have a lot of young talent that's being developed. It's not necessarily, I mean, obviously they're getting Mbappe in the summer. So maybe that's where the turnaround starts to happen. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I would agree. It's it's not that, you know, world 11 that you're t- used to seeing from, from Real Madrid. And to have them in first place and to have them here in the quarterfinals as a favorite, uh, they are a minus 110 favorite to advance. Chelsea, or excuse me, they're not the favorites. They're the underdogs, slight underdogs, minus 110 to advance. Chelsea is minus 125. Um, for me, for us, looking at that, that's even, right? Uh, there's there's absolutely no difference between those odds. No, that's $15. I mean, that's might as well. It's all big. Nothing else there. Um, I just, again, I, I give him some props. Um, and, you know, that being a toss-up, I, I think the other two things that are interesting, these to me are the two teams where I would place money on winning the Champions League. Not necessarily because I believe either team will win, but because the odds make the most sense. Uh, so Chelsea is plus 1,000. That's fourth, uh, right in the middle. These guys are fourth and fifth. And, and Real Madrid is plus 1,400 to win the Champions League. So if you were doing a futures bet, if you were looking um, at tying up your money somewhat long-term, 
these are the two places where I would look to put it. Yep. I mean, I think for me, I, I would be putting money on Real. We've talked about their, they just have this knack to, to get to the final. And, and once you get to the Champions League final, it, it's, you know, anybody, anybody can win it at that point. Um, I do love their emerging talent. I think Vincius Jr. is a star of the making. He's going to be a guy that is going to show up uh, in one of these games and, and, you know, really kind of take the, the world stage by storm. Um, but they also have that veteran experience to back it, right? Like Modric, we talk about at every level of club competition, at every level of the international yep. competition, he's got experience. He's knows what to do. He's not going to be a guy that, sh- you know, shies away from the limelight. Tony Cruz, same kind of story, you know, from, from the German side of the thing. So uh, I love having that veteran experience in midfield. I love the fact that these guys are going to you know, be able to control the game. Uh, even if things aren't going their way, you know, they're the type of guys that could kind of rally the team and just, you know, redirect the energy. Um, so for me, Real Madrid at plus 1400, I think what I would do over a whole, if you're putting future strategies is take both Madrid teams. You got Real Madrid at plus 1400, you got Atletico at plus 2500. One of those two teams will probably find their way, I think, to the final. Um, I think Real is going to take this tie over Chelsea. Chelsea certainly playing pretty well recently. Um, obviously, we talked about Reese James coming back, but I think they're still lacking that little bit of extra talent to, to really get by Real in this case. You know, in, I know of the two teams, we've seen one team face adversity and overcome it. Yep. And that's Real. Sure. And yeah, and, and, you know, we haven't really seen Chelsea succeed against top level competition right. in recent weeks. Right. They, the, the best team that they played was, was Liverpool in, in that uh, Carabao cup final and they didn't take their chances. Uh, I think Liverpool are unlucky to, to not have you know a, a goal or two with regulation. Obviously that Van Dyke goal gets called back off of a, a smidgen of a VAR. Um, so it, it, I think, Chelsea hasn't really proven themselves against elite competition in recent weeks. They've their record has been great, but um, it's against the the Lills and, and you know the lower half of the table. You know, they think they had a four no four oh win against Burnley. I think that's really their standout game. Right. Um, so we saw what Real can do against PSG. I would assume that they're gonna be able to carry that over against Chelsea. I think we're setting ourselves up potentially for an Atletico Real semifinal. I think that would be a great storyline, obviously. Um, maybe Man City gets by Atletico and you still have a Man City versus Real, but we've talked about Man City's ability to kind of fall apart in, in the, the Champions League competition. So I think you're looking at one of those two Madrid teams in the finals. And if you could have them at plus 1400 or plus 2500, yep. you could easily cash, you could cash out early at that point. You're going to probably be able to get it at 700 to one. Definitely. So, no doubt about it. And there's no reason to tie up any money in a future like this. If it's less than plus a thousand, no, no. you're not going to tie up a hundred, 200 plus 200, whatever Liverpool was, even though they're much more likely to win the competition. Right. right. So I'm going to hit you with the number Scott that I'm looking at right now. I think you'll agree with me. The play that I like is a, it's not too advanced. It's just for that first, first leg. Like Real Madrid is plus 255 on the money line. Yeah. I, I don't see how you don't take that. Yeah, I mean, again, it's it's you know, it's the same kind of logic with the Bayern, right? Like maybe Real Madrid is just comfortable sitting back. I mean, I don't think this is the case. This doesn't seem like a Real Madrid team that's going to be comfortable sitting back and letting no. Chelsea come at them. We know that Chelsea's going to want to counter. We know that Real is going to want to control the tempo and, and get forward. So, 
And, You're right. And, I think it, it does make sense in this case because there's going to be opportunities for Benzema in the box. There's going to be opportunities for Vincius to, to beat uh, maybe if, uh, if Rich James gets forward a little too far, he's going to be able to beat his man. He's going to have, I think it's Chalaba that's been playing on that right side of yep. the three-man defense. So you're talking about Rich James and Chalaba trying to you know handle Vincius Jr. That's going to leave opportunities for Benzema. Yeah, I think there's probably a two or three goals for, for Madrid in this first leg, potentially. Have to be. And, and I think that you know, because these teams are so evenly matched, because the, the two advanced numbers are, are basically a coin flip, um, they're going to want to give each other, you know, excuse me, give themselves as much opportunity to advance as possible. And how do you do that? You win the first game, right? Yeah. I know Real is going to be away. That's why they're um, a little bit of an underdog there. But just looking at it, you know, we, we've taken you guys through it. We both like Real. Um, as a team a little bit more. I think we both like their manager a little bit more. I think we, they've proven that this is their competition. Um, plus 255 is a great number for that first result. Yeah, if you're looking at it from Chelsea's side, like, you know, you're counting on two and, guys. And Chelsea's that are, even money, just so you guys know. They're even money on the money line that first game. And you're, you're counting on two guys that are probably, what, 23 years of age or younger in, in Havertz and, and either Pulisic or Mount. To, to, to keep up with the Benzema and the Vincius Jr. and the Rodrigo's. It's, it's a lot to ask for those two guys, um, you know, regardless of what distribution you're getting and how well your midfield is being controlled. I, I don't, I wouldn't bet on a Havertz mount or a Havertz Pulisic combination over a Benzema, Vincius and uh, right. Rodrigo. Definitely not. And again, fluid situation, guys, you know, we're, we're looking at it a week in advance. Um, so, you know, those, those odds could change. Lineups could change. Um, you know, keep an eye on it. But today, that is definitely the pick that we're going with. 100%. Awesome. Well, thank you guys again for listening in to our Champions League quarterfinals previews. Be sure to check out all of the other matchups as well. Follow Kicks and Picks on Twitter, on 5Tool Mooks. Like, subscribe, retweet. Really appreciate you guys listening in.